You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fansided Network. Today's episode is brought to us by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. Happy Tuesday, everybody. This is the postgame podcast. The Wolves lost to the Hawks on Monday night. We're going to break it all down on the show today. We'll do key takeaways as well as individual studs and duds. It's all upcoming. First of all, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember, Lockdown Wolves is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. You can also find the show on any of your favorite audio platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, CK. Yet. All right. Wolves Hawks on Monday. Atlanta was coming on, uh, coming into town on the second night of a back to back. They played at home and lost to a shorthanded Charlotte team on Sunday. The Timberwolves hadn't played since Friday. They had the weekend off. They, of course, lost to Brooklyn on Friday night in Brooklyn with no Carl Anthony Towns. They lost last Wednesday in Washington when Towns did get hurt towards the end of that game. Uh, but the Wolves came into this game on a two game losing streak, two full days of rest over the weekend. The Hawks had lost three out of four, were 500 on the season, 12 and 12 coming into this game and uh, playing on the second night of a back-to-back. The Timberwolves were favored by two and a half points over at betonline.ag. And that line came out before we knew who was playing, who wasn't. Obviously, Towns is the most important player uh, when it comes to the injury report. He played in this game, despite being questionable. D'Angelo Russell was listed as questionable due to ankle soreness. He did not play. Uh, Patrick Beverly was listed as questionable, hasn't played in a couple of weeks with the adductor strain. He also did not play. Jalen Noel was questionable, did not play due to back spasms. The Wolves did have both McDaniels and uh, Vanderbilt back. McDaniels playing for the first time in a little over a week. So three guys missing for Minnesota to start the game. That meant that we saw a brand new starting lineup from the Timberwolves. Leandro Balmaro got his first start and only played 18 minutes. That was in part due to he got hurt himself in the third quarter. It appeared to be. We don't know that uh, as of this recording, we don't know from the post game yet what the deal is. It looked like it could have been he got need uh, when Clint Capella was setting a screen. So we're hoping it's, you know, I would hope it's just like a, I don't know, cramp Charlie horse, you know, dead leg, something just knock knees or, or knee to the thigh or something like that. It didn't look to be too serious, but he didn't come back in the game. So the Timberwolves finished this game with essentially Jordan McLaughlin, the only available true uh, I mean, I guess Balmaro is not really a true point guard, but only really the only guy who would initiate offense normally would be Jordan McLaughlin. He only played 22 minutes in this game. So the Timberwolves had a weird starting lineup, a weird rotation and finished the game with a weird lineup simply because of, of injuries. Um, the starters in this one, Balmaro started at point guard, Anthony Edwards at the two, Torian Prince at the three, Jared Vanderbilt at the four and Carl Anthony Towns at the five. And this game started, I mean, the Hawks were just on fire from deep. Um, and I actually thought in the first half, the Timberwolves defense wasn't awful. And, and I know that they were down, what was the halftime score? 61 to 48. So you would assume, ah, oh, they gave up 61 and a half. I don't think Minnesota's defense was all that bad. I thought they they defended the paint well. I thought they rebounded the ball fairly well. Uh, for the most part, they were contesting shots. I felt like um, they weren't doing a great job of, of truly getting all the way out, contesting uh, to the point that they were making the Hawks' lives difficult. Um, now, obviously, Trey Young's got unlimited range, and that's part of it. But, I mean, the Hawks made—if the Wolves left them open, the Hawks made shots. And, and really, if I could 
if I just was going to boil this podcast down to one sentence and just leave it at that, and and I promise there's more, so don't don't uh, you know click off of this podcast after I say this. But this game basically came down to the Hawks made the open shots that the Wolves allowed them to take, and the Timberwolves missed the open shots that the Hawks let them take. That's really what it was. I mean, Atlanta came into this game shooting; uh, they were 25th in the league in three point attempts per game, and they were second in three point percentage per game. They launched 49 threes in this game. Somehow they launched nine more threes than Minnesota did, and they made eight more. They shot 51% from deep in this game. Yes, the Timberwolves had some defensive lapses, but the difference is the Hawks made the Wolves pay. The Wolves did not make the Hawks pay. And that was the story of the first half. Minnesota was had a little flurry at the end of the second quarter, got within 13 at halftime. And then the offense continued for Minnesota. The third quarter offense was very good. Uh, and, but the defense just completely fell off in the second half. So for all the decent defense that was played in the first half. The third quarter, the Hawks were just, I mean, the Timberwolves were short closing out everything. Uh, Atlanta figured out a, a really good way to, to, to combat the Timberwolves, uh, the defense when the Wolves have been playing towns, usually towns, whatever, whoever the big is in the screen and roll at the level, instead of having them play and drop. So the Timberwolves are protecting the paint. They're primarily the defense is around the paint. They have the low man step up. They're exiting out on the perimeter to contest shots, but the Hawks were doing a great job of Trey young was, was often kind of, pulling towns to the side of the floor in the screen and roll. And then by the time the ball got swung to the middle, they were able to have either a quick skip pass uh, to, to either corner. The Hawks had a ton of corner threes in this game. Um, and it was a lot of Trey young, but really the whole team Atlanta as a whole did a great job of finding the open guy in their perimeter and really just avoiding the Timberwolves. Um, you know, a defense that's done a really good job of forcing turnovers all season at, about at stealing the ball at blocking shots. The Wolves just didn't get their hands on that many balls in, in this game. Uh, the Hawks just did a great job of skipping the, skipping the ball from, you know, one wing to the opposite corner of quick swing. You know, Trey young would try and penetrate the paints a little bit. The Wolves would collapse and he would find the correct open man, in the perimeter, the Hawks would rotate the ball. It wasn't really rocket science, but there aren't that many NBA teams that have done that great of a job, at least that the Wolves have seen so far this year of truly moving the ball in a crisp fashion. And that's how you beat a defense like the Timberwolves that's active and does a good job getting their hands in the passing lane, does a good job of clogging the paint and generally has done a very good job contesting threes. I had talked on a show maybe a week ago about how the Wolves, on the one hand, the Timberwolves' opponent three-point percentage has been so good, uh, or or I guess, depending on how you look at it, good for the Wolves, bad for the opponent. The opponents have not shot the ball well from three. That's a little noisy. There's some flukiness there. There's just, you know, teams have missed some open shots. The Wolves have dodged some bullets. But it also speaks to... Um, Speaks to the act. Speaks to the ability on some level of the Timberwolves as a team to contest perimeter jumpers. That was not on display in this game, and the Hawks basically pulled away. They got up by twenty-one. It was late in the third, early in the fourth. Minnesota got it down to thirteen, then it got pushed back up closer to twenty. The Timberwolves did get within four points with about four minutes to play. Malik Beasley went on a little flurry of his own with a couple of three or I think three threes and a dunk, kind of mixed in. But every time the Wolves had a chance to get it into single digits, they they missed. Uh, Jordan McLaughlin missed an open three that would have cut it to seven. And then the Hawks went down and scored. The Wolves could have cut it back down to nine. They missed another open three. And that was kind of the story of the game. In a nutshell, just that like four minutes left to about two and a half minutes left in the game. And, and it was basically over at that point. So um, 
the Hawks made some adjustments to how the Timberwolves were defending them in the first half. And they, they were making the open shots in the first half, but they just generated more open shots in the third quarter after making some adjustments to how they were playing their screen and roll game and how Trey Young was operating and initiating offense. Trey Young was fantastic in this one for Atlanta. And I know his, his line isn't all that impressive. He turned it over five times. He shot seven of 18, but he was very good in this game. Drew a lot of fouls. Um, and uh, obviously they were also hurt a lot by uh, Timotei Luau Cabarro, who had what had to have been a career night for him. 23 points on eight of 18. He made seven threes in this game, but it seemed like every time you looked up, the Hawks were shooting an open three and more often than not, they made the shot. Um, so I want to do key takeaways next. Uh, there's a couple things I want to point out related to the rotation, um, the defense as a whole, et cetera. That's all going to be coming up next. And then we'll close the show with individual studs and duds. First though, let's talk about the title sponsor of today's show. And that of course is Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply may have forgotten about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped save them over, get this, $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Let's also talk about our friends at Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like myself, who's simply just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, and Maria Sharapova, as well as hundreds of thousands of other customers. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on therabody.com slash locked on. All right, one more thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. And a reminder, it's free and available on all platforms. If you're listening right now, you can also watch on YouTube, subscribe over there. Definitely appreciate it. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and talk about key takeaways from this one. Um, my number one takeaway was was the way that the Wolves tried to cover for the injuries and the, and the issues that they had on on uh, in that regard. So no D'Angelo Russell, obviously, out with the ankle soreness. Of course, he'd missed two games earlier this year with the same sprained ankle uh, and was out of this game. Patrick Beverly still recovering from the adductor strain. Sounds like he was working out before the game. Sounds like a legit chance he plays Wednesday. Jalen Noel, which was probably a little under the radar that he was out again because he would have initiated some offense in this game. He had started to play a little bit in the rotation and, and very likely would have gotten some uh, some run, certainly after Balmaro went down in the third quarter, even if he hadn't played in the first quarter. Then Balmaro goes down in the third quarter. So you're down Delo, you're down Beverly, you're down Jalen Noel, you're down Balmaro. 
And it's basically just Jordan McLaughlin and Malik Beasley and Anthony Edwards who are who are ones and twos that are are still active. McKinley Wright was with the G League team in Iowa. Um, and that's the team. That's it. So McLaughlin did play, I think he what did he play? 22 minutes in this game. Um uh yeah, 22 minutes off the bench. He actually played fairly well. But for a while after Balmaro got hurt, actually right when Balmaro went out, this is at about the nine minute mark in the third quarter. The lineup was Anthony Edwards playing the point. Torian Prince was at the three. It was at the two. Uh, uh, Jaden McDaniels at the three. Vando at the four, and Carl Anthony Towns at the five. So a massive lineup, and immediately the Timberwolves had issues turning the ball over. There were two, three possessions in a row where just bad passes by uh, Ant had one. I think Jaden McDaniels had one. Just a really clunky offense, which makes sense, right? I mean, you don't have a point guard in the game. You don't have somebody who can control tempo in the game. Anthony Edwards doesn't necessarily understand how to do that every time down the floor at this stage in his career. And um, it just it just didn't work out. So Finch had to be creative, and I thought he mostly did a good job with that. I, I don't know that um, he's really to blame with... with um, I, I mean, I guess the only thing I would say is I guess I don't know exactly what the Iowa Wolves schedule is at, at the moment uh, if they're playing. I think they probably don't play till Wednesday. But uh, McKinley Wright, I mean, if you knew Beverly's hurt, you know, there's a chance Delo's hurt. Uh, to try and get McKinley right there would have been great. You know, I, I don't know that, that he would have played much late in this game, but it would have been good to have that option. I, it wouldn't shock me if he was available Wednesday, even if Patrick Beverly's got a shot at playing or D'Angelo Russell for that matter. Uh, but the Wolves could have used another another guard that could have initiated offense in this game. So that was certainly uh, important. Also, I talked a little bit in, in the first segment about how the defense was really not all that bad, especially in the first half. The thing I was really worried about coming into this game, and I, I mentioned it on Monday's show previewing this matchup, was rebounding. The Hawks are a top 10 rebounding team on both ends of the floor, both offensive and defensive rebounding. The Wolves actually ended up a plus one in this game on the glass. They grabbed 16 offensive rebounds and limited the Hawks to just 11. Second chance points throughout the game were relatively even, especially first half. They were, I believe the Wolves had a significant edge at halftime. Um, they mostly defended without fouling. Each team had 19 free throw attempts. Uh, the Hawks only made one more free throw than the Wolves. It was each team had the exact same number of attempts at halftime and at the end of the game. So they defended without fouling. They protected the paint. Uh, they rebounded the ball well on both ends of the floor. The only thing that they really didn't do was contest three-pointers to, to the standard that they've set earlier this season. So everywhere else, the Wolves actually played well. The energy was generally pretty good. There were some sluggish offensive possessions, certainly, especially in the first half. And also right when the Hawks pushed that lead back to 20, I think it was early fourth quarter, the offense just could not click for Minnesota. And that was frustrating. But for the most part, there was energy. They still scored 110 points. They held their own in terms of three-point shooting. They hit 17 of 43s, 42.5%. They held their own on the glass. They didn't foul. They didn't have anybody really in foul trouble. You know, Towns didn't start to get into foul trouble until very late in the game. So that didn't really affect much. Um, They just got beat. They just gave up more open threes and they didn't do a great job contesting on the perimeter. Otherwise, it's really hard. To, this wasn't like a particularly ugly loss. And yeah, you'd like to beat a 500 team on your home floor when they've traveled in. Uh, but, you know, not making excuses. The Wolves were a little shorthanded and they played with energy. The Hawks just simply made more threes and made their open threes. Um, and I don't I don't want to like, yeah, it, it's terrible that they've lost three in a row, but I don't think we should overplay this. I mean, the Hawks are a good team. They're a better than 500 team. I know they've got their own injuries. Uh, this was just this was just one of those games. I talked a little bit about how the second half offense was much better overall. Besides early in the fourth quarter, there was more of a flow to it. Um, Anthony Edwards, we'll talk more about him later. He did not have a great game and no D'Angelo Russell certainly hurt. Uh, Carlton Towns was very good throughout this game and that was great. Uh, my last kit takeaway is Malik Beasley. 
really struggled in the first half. Um, and then all of a sudden came on strong, had a massive flurry late in the game and scored. I think he scored, uh, I believe he had 14 of his 24 points in the fourth quarter. If I'm not mistaken, he shot nine of 18 from the field, 50%, six of 13 outside the arc, had five rebounds, three assists, no turnovers in 28 minutes. Um, very good performance from Malik would have been great to see a little bit more consistency. And I, that's been the story of his season. He's had probably four really good games. I mean, you could go back the Denver game. Um, I don't know. I forget exactly which ones they were, but there's, I'm pretty sure there's been like four games out of 24 that he's been really good. And the other 20 have been pedestrian to awful. Um, they've been somewhere in that awful to pedestrian range. And then the other four, he's been phenomenal. If we could find a little bit of consistency somewhere in the middle, which is part of the problem with Malik Beasley, it always has been. It's part of the reason he, um, he was always kind of seen as the streaky shooter who, when he was hot, he could, you know, you know, make five out of 12 threes every night of the week. Um, but, but there just hasn't been consistency and he hasn't started a game yet this year. And I'm going to briefly get on that soapbox again. I said preseason Malik Beasley should be, or I said throughout the offseason he should be in the starting lineup. I still feel that way. I understand the old school thought of, Oh, he can be instant offense. He can score off the bench. He needs to play with Carl. And I know he does like late in the game, he was on the floor with towns, but I think he needs to start the game with the starting unit, get him that confidence, get him ramped up early in the game. So that then he's more effective late. And if you want to play him less in the middle stages, and, you know, kind of he plays more in the first and fourth quarter. You measure his minutes a little bit in the middle of the game and you let some of the other guys get their minutes and you want to keep Jaden McDaniels on the floor for his defense. I get that. Um, you want to mix in Josh Kogi maybe here and there. Um, I think that's fine. But I think Malik Beasley, especially with no D'Angelo Russell and especially with no Patrick Beverly, I think he needs to start at the two. Uh, rather than putting Torian Prince in the starting lineup. Torian Prince only played 18 minutes anyway, and he hasn't added enough in terms of three-point shooting. He hasn't added enough defensively, which are the two things he's supposed to bring to the table. Why not just go with Malik Beasley? He's a guy who scored 20 points a game last year and uh, needs to see some minutes with the starters at the beginning of the game. I truly believe that at some point. It's like the only button Chris Finch hasn't pushed. I mean, he's tried almost everything, any possible combination you can think of, except for putting Malik Beasley in the starting lineup. So here's hoping that happens soon. If there's no D'Lo or no Patrick Beverly, if one of the others missing on on Wednesday, I, I really think Finch should should try that. I think that would be the the right uh, the right button to attempt to push for Wednesday's game. Okay, let's close the show with individual studs and duds. Pretty clear uh, line here between the studs and duds in my mind for this one for the Timberwolves. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at. Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of the inside track. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to the latest episodes and keep up with your favorite players and teams. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can share all the insights and the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that edge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile. Disclaimer, free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones or networks. See boostmobile.com for details. All right, uh, let's close the show by doing individual studs and duds as we always do. Pretty clear line here for me with these. Uh, let's start with the studs. Number one, Carl Anthony Towns was phenomenal in this game. Of course, he didn't play Friday due to the tailbone contusion, so it had been uh, five days since he played last Wednesday. He got hurt in Washington. 
And he dropped 31 on 11 of 24, uh, four of six outside the arc, super efficient, five of seven at the free throw line. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at the game log, but I don't think he's had many games where he's attempted seven free throws and six threes recently. Uh, you know, he's been shooting a lot more in the paint. He's getting a lot more post touches of late, less threes and, and for whatever reason, less free throw attempts. Uh, well, that's a much bigger conversation. Um, but he was really good in this game. 31 points, 16 rebounds, six assists, zero turnovers. What was it, a week ago? He had nine turnovers, or maybe that was two weeks ago. He had that game. I think it might have been the Pacers win, actually. He had nine turnovers, um, and he had zero in this game. And he actually passed the ball well. There were multiple impressive dimes that Towns dished out in this game. 31, 16, and six, one block, no turnovers. He committed five fouls, but again, foul trouble wasn't really an issue for him throughout. 11 to 24 shooting, four, six outside the arc was a really impressive game from Cat. This was vintage Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, you know, you can't expect 31-16-6 and six every night, but this is the type of game that we need to see from Cat on a consistent basis. And he's mostly been consistent this year, but uh, with no D'Lo, he tried his best to step up, and he did. He played very well. Second stud for me, uh, it, it's got to be Malik Beasley. And I know I, I just kind of, uh, I don't know, I didn't really rip on him. I, I was honest about his need the need for him to be more consistent uh, just last segment. But overall, you look at the body work in this game, the points count the same in the fourth as they do in the second quarter. And he was the reason the Wolves got back within 10. I just wish he could light that fire underneath himself earlier in the game instead of when they're down 20 in the fourth quarter. But 24 points and 18 shots, six of 13 outside the arc, five rebounds, three assists, no turnovers for Malik Beasley. Very good game from Malik. And again, consistency is what we need to see uh, out of him. Uh, number three, or I should say the third stud for me, Jared Vanderbilt, six points, 13 rebounds in 32 minutes. This was a typical Jared Vanderbilt game. Uh, 32 minutes played, three of five shooting, one assist, one steal. Weirdly enough, no blocks and one steal in this game, but six and 13 will take that plus two in the plus minus column. In, uh, in 32 minutes, he was one the only Timberwolves starter that was a positive in the plus-minus column and one of only three Timberwolves overall that that had a, a positive plus-minus. Um, Dud for me in this game, this is, this is pretty easy, unfortunately. Anthony Edwards just had a rough game. Uh, 20 points, one rebound in this game. He did have seven assists, three blocks, two steals. He was a little bit active defensively in the perimeter. He's about the only Timberwolves player that was getting his hand in the passing lanes. Uh, so that nearly redeemed him. But late in the game, he had a couple bad turnovers. He had four turnovers on the night. When the Wolves were trying to get back into things, there was there was, uh, I, there was was two turnovers in particular. One, he just lost the ball out of bounds. There was another bad pass. And six of 19 isn't going to get it done. He can't shoot 30% from the field and uh, 33%, two of six outside the arc. And uh, he, he was six for six at the free throw line. So he at least got to 20 points, but it took him 19 shots to do it. Just wasn't a good ant game. And, and we've seen a little bit more of that lately uh, than we did earlier this season, I think. Or I, I should say there was kind of that sweet spot during the middle of the win streak, of course, when he played really well. But early, he was you know a little bit more like ant from, from last early last season. And now we're starting to see that a little bit more where he's not... Lackadaisical is a strong word. I don't, I don't think I would say that. But uh, the motor is not turned all the way up sometimes. And that's a little bit of a concern, um, but it, it doesn't happen enough. And he's still, I mean, you still look up and he had 20 and seven, seven assists, three blocks, two steals. So I'm nitpicking a little, but he still shot 30% from the field, turned it over four times, had some bad possessions in the fourth quarter. Uh, it's just a consistency thing again with Ant. And, and um, I recognize that he's on the cusp of stardom and he still scored 20 points and had seven assists. I get that. 
But I think we've all grown to expect a little bit more from Ant, especially with no D'Angelo Russell, no Patrick Beverly. They need to see a little bit more from him on that end of the floor, uh, you know, at least some consistency, I guess. So he is the lone dud for this game. All right. Um, so Timberwolves lose by 11. That's it for this one. The Wolves have a really difficult schedule upcoming. Um, and uh, I know I've said that quite a bit the last couple of weeks, but it, it bears repeating. The Utah Jazz come to town the first time the Wolves will see the Jazz this season on Wednesday. And Utah has been playing great basketball of late. We'll preview that game a little bit here on uh, on Wednesday's show. So, of course, we're back all week. A reminder, Monday through Friday daily. This is Tuesday's show, posting late Monday following the game against the Hawks. And we'll have a Wednesday show that goes up Wednesday morning previewing Wolves Jazz, among other things. And then, of course, the postgame pod following, immediately following Wolves Jazz on Wednesday. Hopefully the Wolves can snap this three-game losing streak. And hopefully Patrick Beverly and or D'Angelo Russell could return from injury and or Jalen Noel, for that matter, on Wednesday night to take on uh, when the Wolves take on the Jazz. So we'll talk all about that on Wednesday's show. We'll preview it Wednesday morning, I should say, and then we'll talk about it post-game pod. Be sure you're following and subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. And uh, thank you for those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. It's greatly appreciated. A reminder that not only are we on YouTube, but we're also on all audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, anywhere you like to listen, you can find the show. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, that's all we have for you today. Thanks again for listening to the show. Locked on Wolves is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And remember, the Locked on Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.